accidental requirements. I want to learn what's uncomfortable, but like if I don't have some kind of pressure, it's going to be hard to get myself to do it. Um, and like grades are When the sounds come together so close to my face, it's no wonder we wonder what's taking place. Oh, I feel like an animal in the night. Play it right. I do not. I don't think of my senior work as the culmination of my plan at all. Um, my senior work, I'm assistant directing the faculty production, How Water Behaves with Dina, Dina Janis this term. And I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing for my senior work if I hadn't taken all the steps that I had in taking acting classes, production classes, and directing classes um, in that I wouldn't have felt qualified to do so. Assistant directing a faculty show is amazing, and I'm so lucky to be able to do it. And right now I'm, I'm in a class called The Social Life of Sculpture with Yoko, and we're um, having to pursue our own personal projects that sort of enter the social sphere, so sort of social practice a little bit um, with sculpture. And I'm interested in looking at birth control packaging and sort of how it's packaged. It came to me as an idea of like, we throw this thing away every month, this plastic, whatever, or different contraption. But it's also so it's this ritual, something we do every day that connects us to our body. Is there an opportunity for that in the packaging? And is there a way to make the packaging that's not so, doesn't involve so much plastic? So maybe it's, it's taking a project like that, gathering a bunch of research and, and figuring out what another opportunity would be. Um, I'm all about understanding why we do what we do and, and how our objects can reflect that. So Purple Carrot Farm is a part of the Bennington Sustainable Food Project, the BSFP, which is a group of students who all have an interest in environmental and food issues. And there are a number of projects under that umbrella, but I'm most focused on the Purple Carrot Farm, which is a half acre on which we grow vegetables to sell to the dining hall and student center, and also through a little market cart. Last summer, I was one of two interns who took care of the farm. Essentially, Joe and I basically ran the farm for the summer, and that was my first experience with farming or gardening on any level, and I loved it. It was an incredible opportunity. I think part of what's interesting about the Purple Carrot Farm is that it's really totally student-run. Like, we get funding from the school, but ultimately, you know, we make the day-to-day -day decisions. We fill out all our seed orders, we decide what equipment to buy, what materials to buy. So we really shape the direction of this little market garden. The things that I've gotten out of the Purple Carrot Farm, like I've learned a lot about agriculture, gardening. I've built a lot of connections with other students who have similar interests and also farmers in the area. I've learned a lot about being a leader, being a follower, uh, working within a group, there's just like so much you can learn from a project like that, and I think it's super valuable. And it's definitely really heavily influenced what I'm studying and probably what I'm going to do with my immediate career after college. I also am living in the Welling Townhouse this term, and I think that I'm going to try to get a little kitchen garden going. I'm sure that there's going to be a relationship between Purple Carrot Farm and the townhouse. I mean, the townhouse has in the past bought some produce from Purple Carrot, and I think that's going to continue. But also, like, I'm probably going to need to, like, 
grab some some hay from Purple Carrot Farm and take it over to the townhouse because we need some we need some hay in the compost. I am working on a few. Actually, one of them is a, a music group. Uh, we're called the Burho Family Band. Sam Burho, who's not actually in the band, we just call it the Burho Family Band. We're kind of like a folk group. It's kind of a fun thing. We kind of have like our members, our main members, who kind of like tie it down as like posts. But then what happens is people come and go, and when you can practice, you can practice, and when you can't, you can't. So what happens is we get to play with a whole bunch of different people, and we're all under this title, the Burrow Family Band, and two of us generally write the music, but we get to play with all sorts of people. YouTube comments, hip-hop instrumentals, and um, I'm very interested in poets reading their own poems. And so something I've been working on is a series of videos. The, the soundtrack is a song by Lil Boozy, who's kind of this cultural god who's been incarcerated for a long time. And it's kind of, you, you see free Boozy everywhere, and there's always a news article that he's going to get out next year. But for a lot of people, he is actually you know, a voice of real experience. And so I've kind of been thinking about the, the history of the voice, the, the public voice of the black experience in America. And I found this recording of, I think the poem's called Life is a Dream. No, Hold Fast to Dreams, Langston Hughes. And so I put that recording over the instrumental track and something kind of very interesting happened. On top of that, with the visual element, I've been going into Google Street View, basing kind of my search criteria on those kinds of new media, gawker, BuzzFeed articles about, you know, most dangerous cities and things like that, which I find are a lot of the times pretty, pretty misinformed and I think would be offensive to the people that actually live there. And so I've been trying to actually use that kind of new technology. In a way, it does feel like taking a kind of drive through a neighborhood that I would never actually be able to see. And, you know, using kind of screenshots of what life is really like because that it's totally documentary photography or, or like cinema verite, I guess, with people would just be riding their bike across the street um, unknowing that the their image will appear available for millions of people. Yeah, it's, it's a bit hard to describe, I think. It's kind of just a combination of all those elements, but just really looking at, I guess, voices from similar cultural standpoints, but at different times in history, and then kind of showing that with new technologies. Looking at rappers like Chief Keef and then kind of everything going on in Chicago, I think there's always gonna be, you know, the downtrodden, kind of misunderstood neighborhood that will have its person, you know, on the hill with a megaphone. I think in any experience there's going to be someone saying, look, this is, this is how it is, and you really, you really might not like it, but that doesn't really matter in, in any art form. I think it's all just about translating, like, what's going around in your environment and what's inside of you, and just putting it out there for public consumption and hoping that it elicits some kind of 
understanding response. It's definitely easier to to see connections where I think before Bennington, I may have never linked, you know, Langston Hughes and Lil Boozy. Whereas now it kind of, it makes a lot of sense to me. A mixture of all the disciplines, and that's what we're trying to do. I was just saying the other day that I'm not sure if I'm passionate about, this is honest, I'm not sure if I'm passionate about the vagina monologues, but I'm passionate about having a clear project to work on and to encourage people to be a part of it. at Library Podcast. Music provided by Jacqueline Alpine, Gregory Obis, Jason Moon of Cordova, Tom Bogdan, Fred Hand, Ethan Woods, Carlos Torres, Cassette Fighter, Atticus Lazenby, Bruce Williamson, Anawand, Sylvan Esso, Cult Fluorescent, Ben Redmond, and VJ Means. All right, that was really good. Now wrap it up. Okay. Cross Sections is produced and edited by Keegan Eade and Alex Diaz. 